0: Welcome back to another week of Behind the Lens. It's March. Uh, I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, those producers, the directors, the actors, the writers, the cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, film editors, sound mixers, sound editors, authors, choreographers composers we talk to them all and boy oh boy I've got a lot of talking lined up this week during the week my goodness it's a jam-packed interview week uh, and so is next week but uh, we're also you know we've got some great interviews on behind the lens today for you uh, very very excited To have Emilio Palame joining us at the midpoint of the show. Emilio Emilio is writer, director, musical arranger, composer, actor in this incredible new film, *Knights of Swing*. It's a musical, and those of you that know me know my love of musicals. Um, Always has been a great love of mine, and this one not only is it a musical, it's a period piece. Set in 1947, and it's a swing band, a high school swing band, in competition, trying to get to the state battle of the bands. Um, It is a microcosm of Americana. Absolutely perfect um, for the time, the costumes, the hair, and the music. The film is two and a half hours long, and when I saw that, I'm like, it's not a Marvel film. It's not Avatar. How can a musical drama be two and a half hours long? And let me tell you, it speeds by. You don't realize. That's how well-paced and well-thought-out Nights of Swing is. It's just wonderful, and I am so excited that we're going to have Emilio with us on the show today, uh, joining us live in a little while. Um, We're also, you're going to hear shortly, my I love this young woman. I've spoken with her before, and I am sure I will spe- be speaking with her many times in the future. Yaya Goslin. Uh, many of you know her from the Robert Rodriguez film on Netflix, "We Can Be Heroes," or one of her earliest debuts as in "Peppermint," uh, opposite Jennifer Garner. She was in 40 episodes of FBI Most Wanted, playing opposite Julian McMahon. She's been in The Purge, the series Surfside Girls, and Dr. Bird's Advice, in which she co starred with Jason Isaacs, among, other, among others. She's a veteran already, and she's only 14. Uh, Yaya Goslin is incredible. And now she's got a new movie. Uh, out, that it's almost as if it was custom written and custom made for her. Heart of a champion. It is a fabulous family film. It is. It's got gravitas, kind of young adult. In the film, she gets her first, her first kiss. An on-screen, well, almost kiss, uh, but on-screen. Love interest. Um, Big, big doings when you're 14 on screen. And she plays a character named Charlie. 14-year-old girl coping with the divorce of her parents. A new school. And, you know, the typical stuff that goes with being in a new school and being the new kid. uh, With bullying and things like that. But she gets befriended by... A classmate named Zach, who's played by Carson Cunningham. And I think this was Carson's very first film role. So to have him play opposite a veteran like Yaya, I think it was perfect. And the two of them complement each other beautifully. Casper Van Van Dyne is in the bulk of the film playing opposite Yaya. Um, Edward Furlong, Major Dodge Jr., Jojo Marie. And of course, one of the major stars of the film is Pepper, a horse named Pepper, who plays the a horse named Chango. Charlie and Chango uh, in the film. And Chango is a horse that Charlie finds. She wants a horse desperately. Uh, she finds this horse while she's out with uh, Van Dyne's character. His name is Clint. And it's like, well, you know, you can keep him at, at you know, my stables until we find who he belongs to. But in the meantime, she starts learning how to ride and then how to barrel race. Well, the beauty of this film and this role is that Yaya herself is a champion horsewoman. She is a champion barrel racer, folks. Uh, So for her to get to play a girl who loves horses and ride them and barrel race in the film, you couldn't ask for anything better. And as you will hear her uh, talking about in our interview, she begged, begged uh, director Brad Keller and the producers to let her do all of her own riding. And surprisingly, she they let her. Insurance let her. Um, you know, insurance is something that a lot of filmmakers, they don't stop to think about when they're making films, especially on small indie films, first time filmmakers. You know, you don't just need completion insurance. You need insurance for God forbid something happens. I mean, take a look on, you know, Star Wars films. Harrison Ford gets injured on a Star Wars film. We have so many people who get injured on films. Generally, they're minor injuries. Because of the safety precautions. But here you've got your major star. I think the gutsiest major star we've ever seen, though, is Tom Cruise. Doing all of his own stunts on his Mission Impossible films and other films as well. And uh, so for Yaya at 14, and they shot this a year ago. uh, It was filmed last March, from March 30th to April 12th in Dallas, Texas. Last year, so this is a quick turnaround on the film. But to allow uh, the film's main star to do all of her own riding and barrel racing, um, that's a testament to how good she, Yaya, is as a horsewoman. But in addition to talking about Heart of a Champion and horses and more horses. We also get a little update on the sequel to We Can Be Heroes. Not a lot of news, but it's a little bit of news. So, without any further ado, let's take a listen to this go-round of mine with the fabulous and wonderful Yaya Gosselin talking about Heart of a Champion. Is that you, Yaya? Yes, it is. Hello. I'm so happy to speak with you again. It's been a while since you, yes, and, since you and Vivian and I talked about heroes. Yes. Yeah, that was
1: in, what, 2020?
0: Yeah. And you have been a busy girl since then. I mean, uh, FBI Most Wanted, you were spectacular on that. And, Thank you so much. and now, Heart of a Champion, I can't think of a film better suited to you than one where you get to ride horses. Right? I mean, this is perfect. How did, this doesn't happen too often for any actor, where a role like this, because I know you love horses, I know you ride horses, and here, it's all about Charlie and Chango, yep what did you think when this script came to you were you jumping up and down with excitement absolutely
1: absolutely I was I was so eager to get on tape for this I was like it's, it's, it has to be I believe that it's meant to be and I just like <laughs> prayed and I wished and I hoped and I mean sure enough I got it and I got to play this amazing girl and ride and do my favorite one of my favorite things ever um got the best of both worlds like hannah montana it was it was amazing (laughs)
0: and that begs the question did you do i know you were doing the trail riding the ring riding all of that were you doing the barrel racing also yes
1: so i'm actually a barrel racer in my real life and i have a barrel horse and i go to jackpots and rodeos as much as possible so it was so crazy to me that I was a barrel racer getting to play a barrel racer and kind of fun fact the day that I found out that I booked it I had just come from a barrel race I was literally in the car driving home sweaty disgusting I think I was like eating water burger with my sister in the backseat like I was so tired and I was barely awake And my mom was like, oh, I should probably tell you what's Charlie's horse, which that's what it was called um, before it, you know, came out. But um, I just think it's so funny that I'm so immersed in the barrel racing world already,
0: and I just got to do it even more. It was amazing. Oh, my God. Well, what's even more amazing is that insurance and your director and producers let you do the barrel racing because, as you know, from working on something like Heroes. They get a little a little hinky there, worrying that you're the star and you might get hurt. Yes. I was
1: so—I begged and begged and begged and begged. I said, I do this all the time, three, four days a week. I am trained, and I am advanced, and I promise you I will do everything in my power to not get hurt. My trainer teaches me how to fall off a horse without getting hurt. So I was like, I can do it. I promise. And they, they trusted me, and I'm so grateful that they did. Uh, there were a lot of scenes that I did where um, I kind of had to like gallop really fast. The trail scene with Zach, um, I have I was like, let's you know, this is boring, let's have fun or something. I don't remember what I said, but I, you know, galloped off, and I, I was galloping on a path that had a ledge that dropped down into the water. Oh god! A little nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> And I just remember being like, please, you do not need a double. I can do this. Like, I promise. And they let me do it, and it was the best experience of my life because I kind of thought I was going to die, but at the same time, it was
0: so much fun. Well, I'm so glad you didn't die. I'm so glad that you and the horse did not go off the cliff. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the big things whenever you're dealing with animals, as I'm sure you already know, but especially with horses, you've got to have develop a rapport with yeah. the horses, that's something like all the guys on Yellowstone learned five years ago. They needed to get comfortable with the horses, and you know that from your own horses. So, because yeah. I know the horse Chango was played by a horse named Pepper, yeah. very pretty horse by the way, beautiful horse. But I'm curious, what kind? How early did you have to meet Pepper and start working with Pepper? To get ready for this film.
1: Yeah, so um, about two weeks before I started the process of any of this, I was in the barn almost every single day working just with my own personal horse. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my riding, so I was tweaking anything that I felt like I needed. I was working with my trainer as much as possible. Um, I had actually just come from doing a movie in LA, so I wasn't in the saddle for. I'm sorry, not a movie, a show in L.A. So I wasn't in the saddle for three months, so I kind of had to, you know, warm up and get my muscles remembering how to do it because you worked so many different muscles when you're doing this. And then I met I met Pepper, um, I think, like, a week before we started filming. I brought all of my own tag and tried it on him. We did, like, two or three sessions together. We just walked around, lobed, went out on a trail. It was great. Um, and I just immediately fell in love with Pepper and his little ears. Um, when he was younger, he was... By a previous owner, he was left in a field overnight when it was cold, and he got frostbite on the tip of his ears. Mm-hmm. So they had to cut off the tip of his ears. So he has these little, round, short ears that are so cute, and anytime the camera would cut out, we'd just, like, rub his little ears. because They're so cute. I love Pepper.
0: Okay, so did anybody offer to give you Pepper as a parting gift? <laughs> no, sadly. I asked, and they were like, <sighs> no, he's ours. I was
1: like, okay, I get yeah. it. I guess I'll go home to my own horse. But I was definitely sad.
0: I cried a little bit when I had to say bye to Pepper. Aw. Something that I love with the character of Charlie, because in addition to bonding with Pepper, a.k.a. Chango, is we really get to see you develop a nice relationship with Casper's character of Clint. And something we don't see that often, an older sister being nice to a younger brother, You you and Major have a great chemistry on screen. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise yeah. me, considering what I've seen from you in the past, and I know you're clo- you're you're a good big sister to your own sisters. But you also get a love interest, a pup- a puppy love interest here too, with Carson. Oh my gosh. Yes. How did you work on? I'm sure that your first priority was the horse. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. But then you, you've got to work on these other relationships and dynamics in this film. How did you go about developing relationships with each of these individuals?
1: Yeah, so me and Major have actually worked on a couple of print jobs and commercial jobs in years past. So I already know him and his dad very well. Um, And so it was great just kind of getting to step into that big sister role, which I am pretty familiar with, but obviously (laughs) it's different because I don't have a brother. I have two little sisters. It's very different. Boys are so hyper. Um, And it's It's a very different feeling from um, having two sisters. Um, And so just getting to hang out with Major was great. Um, I have never had a love interest in something before, so it was that was honestly probably the thing that freaked me out the most. Um, I was so nervous meeting Carson. Um, Carson is like older than me, he's 17. Mm-hmm. So we were 13 and 16 when this was filmed, and so I just remember being so nervous. And what was so funny was Carson was nervous, too, but for different reasons that I was nervous. I was nervous because this was my first time ever playing a love interest. He was nervous because this is, he's still fairly new. So this was one of his first times working um, in a movie, like his second or third movie. So we were kind of both nervous for different <laughs> reasons, but very nervous. But we hit it off immediately, and we're still great friends. We go to the same acting studio, so we see each other all the time. Um, I am best friends with Morgan Harrington, who plays my bully in the film, which is kind of funny. Um, fun fact: she's twenty three and in college. Wow. <laughs> playing a fifteen year old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so I'm such good friends with all of them. Getting to hang out with Casper, he's such a cool guy. Um, we both worked with Robert Rodriguez, which was something that we kind of got to, you know, bond over. My mom was definitely geeking out about Edward for a long. I had no idea, like, why everybody was freaking out, and I was like, I was looking at him. And I was like, if I see him or something, I was like, no, I have not And then my mom showed me, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know what Terminator was. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I still need to, I I still need to watch Star Troopers and Terminator 2. I have not watched them yet, but they're
0: on my list. Well, you know, you've got other more important things like horses to worry about. <laughs> horses versus Terminator, yeah, yeah. I got to go with the horses. Yeah. Uh, horses all day every day. Now, what was this because you worked with some of the best in the business already. So, I'm sure that you were a great influence on Carson who still had kind of trepidation being new in the business. But you're an old hand. You're a veteran now. (laughs) That's what my family calls me. My family calls me the vet. (laughs) And that's what you are. There aren't too many, because you're now, what, 14? There aren't too many actors your age that that have the depth of experience. They might have been working for a number of years since they were very young, but the diversity of the roles that you've tackled, be it on television, already FBI Most Wanted, and that couldn't have been too bad. Your mom probably liked the fact you're working opposite Julian McMahon too. But you've got this great depth of experience with dramas, such as with Peppermint as a feature, The Purge. You worked with Jason Isaac on Dr. Bird's advice. And of course, Robert, you bring a lot to the table so, that had to have helped Carson when you were working with Carson, knowing that you could buoy him and pick him up if he needed it.
1: Yeah, Carson did so good for how new he is. Um, he really, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that he wasn't, like, a super-established um, actor. And I always, like, people will sometimes um, ask me for advice, and I always get so nervous because... I don't ever want to, like, you know, overstep or, but I think uh, getting to, like, work off of each other was so much fun. Um, He made me feel so comfortable. Fun fact: we were actually going to have to kiss at the end in the original script. They wrote: Charlie comes off of the horse after she wins, she hugs her family, she runs up to Zach, he spins her around, and then they kiss. And then we got there, ready to. This would be my first kiss, by the way.
0: Carson oh.
1: would have been my first kiss. And then we got there, and they were like, "So you're not gonna kiss?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, thank God!" And he was like, "What?" I was like, "I'm sorry, but I really didn't want to kiss you because I was like, I was freaking out. I was like, I've never really kissed. I've never kissed anybody before. This is gonna be so bad." And then we didn't even. To kiss. And I think it made the movie great. Just like he picked me up and funny around, and it was very wholesome and sweet and innocent. Um, but, yeah, it was very fun getting to do those scenes because, you know, like, girl runs into boy, drops the book, you know, looks up at him. Like, all those scenes that you see in movies that you're like, oh, that must be so cool to film that I got to do. Um, but, yeah, working off of each other was so fun, and we're still such good friends now. So I think that we both learned a lot from each
0: other. So now that you have added a horse movie... To your repertoire, I'm curious, working with Brad, and this is a totally different film than what we've seen from you in the past. This really is, it is, you said one of the key words, it's a very wholesome film, it's a family film. I wouldn't exactly call Peppermint or FBI Most Wanted family films. Yeah. (laughs) But what did you learn in in making Heart of a Champion? What did you learn about yourself and your craft? that you can now take forward and use when you're looking at other roles, considering other scripts, or working with other directors. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I
1: feel like I learned a lot, um, you know, it was a fairly small cast, it Mm -hmm. wasn't like a huge ensemble, which I had just come from, well, not just come, but, you know, like, We Can Be Heroes was a huge ensemble, and, As fun as the process was, it was also very stressful because there were all of these people and I was the lead of the film and it was like all of this pressure kind of on my shoulders as much as they tried to not make it like that. It was kind of inevitable um, because of how many people were on that cast, but this felt like a very, it it felt, the film, filming it felt very intimate um, because of, I don't know, the people, the crew, everything. It just felt very intimate and, and sweet. And... I just learned a lot about how quickly a movie can be filmed because, um, you know, we only had three weeks, not even, like, two and a half weeks to film this. Wow. And we had to get out of there quick because the ranch that we were filming at was going to get demolished because it had gotten sold, like, a week before we started filming. So we were kind of a little bit, we tried to not be in a rush, but we were in a little bit of a rush. And so just getting to see how specific you can be about certain things, with also kind of knowing that you know time is of the essence um so you know i remember seeing the call sheets and just seeing like seven or ten scenes that we had to do in one day which i'd never <laughs> seen before it would always be like three so looking at this huge long thing of scenes i'm like oh my gosh there's no way we're going to get this done And then we get it done and even have more scenes to film. So it was just amazing seeing, even though we were working so quickly, I feel like the end product doesn't seem rushed at all. Um, And that that was a very cool thing to
0: witness. (laughs) But now, that begs the question, Yaya, how do you work in schoolwork? You've got barrel racing, you've got training, you've got caring for your own horse. I did have to chuckle when... Even, more, even in the film, you still had to muck out the, the horse stalls. Yep. <laughs> you can't get away from that. But how do you work school in with all of this? Yeah, I think people kind of overlook that about child actors.
1: Doing school already in itself is so stressful. I kind of strive to get pretty... I try to get A's and B's and be a good student. Um, well, thankfully, while we were shooting... Um, part of a champion, I was kind of on my spring break, so I Mm -hmm. only had to do school for about a week, um, because the rest of the time I was on break. Um, So that was nice, getting to focus on on horses, but what's funny is when I was filming Surfside Girls, um, it was in November, December, January, and it was right in the middle of my midterms for 7th grade, Um, and I was just, it was crazy going from focusing on a 100-question midterm to talking about ghosts and pirates it was just such a, a big switch that I had to flip um, of math brain and then actor professional brain um, so it you just have to find the right balance knowing okay I'm gonna have 45 minutes to do however many questions or get as much done and then I'm gonna focus eat a snack and go work there's little things that you can that you can do or at least that I do to help me get in each mindset and switch quickly without being like, whoa, where am I? <laughs> um, yeah, I, take, I try to take my education as seriously
0: as possible. So is college in the offing much like the character of Charlie, whose mom wants her to go to college? <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, my dream school is NYU. I'd love to go there for film. Um, yeah, I'm also very interested in psychology. Um, I, I have a lot of different interests uh, outside <laughs> Um, I'd also love to go to NYU for music. I'm a musician and I write songs, so I have a lot of different interests. I know that I'll definitely end up doing something creative for college or kind of something of the sort. Um, but college is definitely in the picture.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you can't do, Yaya? Music, songwriting, horse riding, champion barrel racer, acting, A's and B's. I mean, come on. You just do you do everything. I, I try to get myself immersed
1: in as much stuff as possible. My, I have a very, I have an ADHD brain. My brain goes like a mile a minute, so I try to get as many things done
0: as possible. <laughs> you, you're making a dent in your bucket list for anything that you want to do. I see this. And it's such a joy to get to watch you grow as an actor, as a person, to see you take these next steps. We're the first time quote-unquote boyfriend on screen. It's a joy getting to, to watch you on this ride that you're on. I can't wait to see what you do, what you bring us next. Are you going to do a sequel for Heroes? We're supposed
1: to. It got greenlit in 2020, like, or 2021. Um, we have just been waiting. Robert has been filming so many movies since um, uh, We Can Be Heroes has wrapped. um So I think we're just waiting for the right time. All of us are older now. So, you know, some of us are about to be 18. I think there's three or four kids. um, Isaiah, Nathan, Andy, a few of them are going to turn 18 soon, which is crazy to think about. But I think we're just kind of waiting for the right time to film. And I'm so excited for when we do. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the email.
0: I'm chomping at the bit to see a sequel to that. And I wouldn't even mind revisiting Charlie in a couple of years when she's got... That's what Brad was talking about. Like, that'd be so cool to get another one, to do another one of that. Anything with you on a horse. Now go. Now you got to hit up Taylor Sheridan to, to cast you in in Yellowstone. Yes, Taylor Sheridan, see me, recognize me. I'm you know, here, waiting. You don't need to go to cowboy camp. <laughs> you're, you're, you're already ahead of the game.
1: It's so funny. Um, Jen Landon was my castmate, uh, co-star in FBI Most Wanted, and she's on Yellowstone, and she plays Teeter. And I'm just like, Jen, please, anything. I'll be an extra if I have to, just
0: please. And isn't Teeter the best character? Best character on Yellowstone, Teeter. She is right. Oh, you've got that down good. You could be doubling. I practice it a lot. I practice
1: it in front of her. I don't always do it in front of her, and she's like, you're one of the best people that does that. I'm
0: like, I know you are wow if i didn't know it was you i was talking to i would have thought that that was jen who just pronounced (laughs) tater thank you it was a huge compliment oh yeah yeah i know they got danny's got you packed today this has been so much fun getting to talk with you again and and about such a fun movie and hopefully we're going to chat again in the near future with some of your other upcoming projects And that was the wonderful Yaya Goslin, Heart of a Champion. It's available now digitally. Um, Perfect family film. I got to tell you, perfect family film. It's got great values in it. It's entertaining. And it looks beautiful. Shot down in Dallas and it looks beautiful. Um, Brad Keller did an excellent job with this film. But watching Yaya, you know, riding this, uh, riding Pepper, a.k.a. Chango in the film, you see her affinity with animals, with horses, and it is an absolute joy. So while we're waiting for Emilio to give us a call, hopefully it will be momentarily, but, uh, you know, Sunday will be the Oscars. And it's going to be interesting what's going to transpire given what we've seen with the Critics Awards uh, thus far this season. And of course, this weekend, the Film Independent Spirit Awards, Everything Everywhere All at Once was everywhere and grabbed everything possible. Uh, This has been happening quite often uh, with some of the other awards uh, shows throughout the season golden globes uh the critics associations so it's going to be interesting to see what happens on sunday and of course as a lead-in netflix just had the live chris rock um show comedy show yesterday and it i loved it i thought i watched it this weekend and i thought it was great um I'm seeing mixed reactions on social media about it. But, of course, you know, it was a year ago, uh, the slap heard around the world. So, you know, we'll see what happens on this year's Oscars. Um, One only knows uh, in Tinseltown what will happen. And now, oh, and before I forget, folks, you know, let us know what you think of the new version of our theme song, same theme song, just with a jazzier beat to it now, courtesy of frank mayer uh so you know he's very anxious Frank's very anxious to hi- find out what people think of the of the uh his arrangement of the theme, but talking about arrangements, we're gonna jump in here and. A big welcome to Emilio Palami. Hello, Emilio. Hello. I can't thank you enough for joining us today on Behind the Lens.
2: Oh, thank you. It was a little bit stressful right at the beginning for the first time, and I don't know how long my cell phone doesn't have service right now, so I had to use my landline. I was scrambling.
0: (laughs) God bless the landline. Yeah. Everyone laughs at me because every interview that I do from home, I it's only done on a landline.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in the club now. All Perfect. right,
0: welcome to the club, Emilio.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Well, I got to tell you, nights of swing. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> have you got swing in this film? Well, uh, thank you so much. At the top of the show, I was you know laying the groundwork for your appearance today and. I said, you know, it's a two and a half hour film, and when you see a two and a half hours for a film, you're thinking, okay, it's not Marvel, it's not Avatar, it's a musical that's two and a half hours. All right, you're kind of curious, but I have to tell you, it did not feel like two and a half hours because this is music, from beginning to end, be it the under the underlying score, be it the individual musical arrangements and the orchestrations and the performances that we're seeing didn't feel like a two-and-a-half-hour film by any stretch of the imagination. And when it ended, I wanted more.
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I absolutely love this film. It is a wonderful microcosm slice of Americana in 1947. It You have captured you know southern california the quiet little linwood area at the time you bring in the issues that were facing everybody post world war 2 with soldiers returning uh families have lost you know sons and daughters in the war and have to come to grips with that one way or another some ways yeah. not too smart in how they've handled you know the losses You've got bullying. Um, The racism is a very big issue within the school. Um, You bring us a lot of diversity within the orchestra, the school orchestra that that goes on to compete. Desperately wants to win the battle of the bands. You've got girls in the orchestra. You've got you know Asian girls. You've got a you know a black a young man a black man. You've got a black uh, you know a couple girls. You've got every ethnicity, uh, you know, look, religion, everything. You bring religion into this with one of the boys who he goes to church and he talks about what he, the sermon that he hears. that's very applicable to what's happening in the community and with all of the kids. You tackle everything and through it all, no matter what the difference is, everybody comes together through the music. And that is one of the that was one of the big uh, pieces of glue during the war was the music that helped bring people together. It happened in World War One, thanks to George M. Cohan, World War Two, you know, so much of it. And it was a lot of the swing music. It was Glenn Miller and his orchestra, Benny Goodman. (laughs) The music is what brought people together and gave them a respite from hard times. So to see you carry this over into post-war, I think is just brilliant. Just so beautifully done, Emilio.
2: Thank you so much. Can I do every interview with you? Of course. <laughs> of course. You know, that, that, what a great assessment of, of all the, the the love and care that we put into this movie. Um, you, what you just said... Uh, Reads exactly. Uh, it's like you read our minds of what we really wanted to portray in this movie, and and, and, and it means so much to me that that you understood and and it resonated with you uh, uh, the themes that we touched on between the PTSD, the re- racism, the bullying, uh, and how and you kept cap- encapsulated that so perfectly by saying the music. Is what brought the people together,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that's that was our goal. That's what we wanted to say. In fact, there's one line where uh, Mr. Miller, the the band director, says, "You know, I think that, that it's more than just a band. It's it's almost like a refuge. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a home for them, and and that camaraderie that music uh, brings people together with is just uh, the it was the main message of the movie. And I'm so glad that you that you uh, articulated it so beautifully, thank you so much
0: oh, you know, thank you for making a film that's so well done. I could articulate it <laughs> that succinctly for you um you know, and I have to say when you when we talk about the music bringing everybody together, a perfect example is the dynamic in the film between uh Gifford, who is essentially the lead mm-hmm. uh you know the captain of the band and orchestra, shall we say. And his brother, who mm-hmm. even at one point, as much as he tries to discourage Gifford from going ahead with the band, with writing music, with performing, at the same time behind Gifford's back, he's, he tells people how much he likes the band. Yeah. He just doesn't like it for his brother. And yeah, I
2: think I think that, that Wesley, the older brother, suffer, suffered from some serious PTSD yeah. as we try to you know after he came back from the war and and i i think it's it's lovely that someone that he meets who's somewhat broken herself and him being a uh, affected by uh his shell-shocked experiences from World War II they two people who are both uh broken end up uh helping each other and coming together and falling in love and there's just there's just so many moments in this movie that we really tried to uh to touch on and inspire people uh, to feel the positivity that that can happen uh, even in the, the darkest times. Mm.
0: Well, and, you know, mentioning Wesley and, you know, meeting a girl, fall, we watch him falling in love and putting his foot in his mouth a few times. Uh, yeah. Because, and you're also addressing one of the most common disabilities of that era, polio.
2: Yes. Um, which, Well, you know, our executive producer, Roland Jacks, uh, who, who wrote all the original songs and I orchestrated and arranged them and, and performed on them. Uh, his his story is in this movie because he's 89 years old. Wow. And he lived through this era and he was actually in a band called The Knights of Swing when he was in high school. He, he was kind of Gifford because uh, he played alto sax, he sang. Uh, and um, so this, this movie is somewhat of a... a autobiographical from Rollins' life. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing man. We've been friends for over 20 years, and I've worked on uh, several different projects that he's um, come, come up with. Um, I did a musical, which we're going to make a feature film out of uh, in a couple of years because we already started on uh, his second movie uh, that uh, we don't need to talk about now, but we're, we're starting principal photography May 1st.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: And it's, yeah, we, we've got a great team of a production team together. We're like a you know a family, and and I think that's part of the reason why the night to swing feels so good, and uh, it came together so so lovely because we have an amazing group of young people that have been making films until they since they were fifteen, uh, and and now they're in their thirties, and and they have this youthful exuberance and and knowledge and and excitement to. To make great movies, and and I I'm honored to be working with all of them.
0: You know, how did you get involved with Nights of Swing? At what point did you come into the picture? At the very very beginning, yes. uh,
2: Roland, Roland brought me uh, the first song, uh, "Schoolroom Blues," in 2018, and I did a big band arrangement of it. Then he brought me a couple of more of the songs that are in the in the movie, and then he said, "Well, I'm going to write a story." In and around that, and originally it was going to be a series, and uh, then my co-director David Gutell, who I have to give a big shout out to, because I never would have been able to direct this movie without him, um, and and Donald Wen, who our producer, and 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 Brian um, Lang, our cinematographer, Darlene Coldenhoven, who did all the vocal arrangements and found the three Bs for us, and my friend Bob Leatherbarrow, who I I wrote the uh, the underscore with. Uh, an, an amazing group of, of of individuals that that work together as a team, and and I think it shows in the movie. So so Rollin brought me those songs. He he had this elaborate story that or this world he had created, the Knights of Swing, and then uh, David Gutell and I took that and wrote the screenplay for the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's how it came together. We we filmed uh, most of this movie during COVID, which was not easy. Wow. We had all had to be tested every seventy two hours. We had an epidemiologist nurse on set while we were we were doing the, the filming and, and by the grace of God I'll tell you there were out of all the the actors and extras and, and background players and the the people in the two bands, out of all of those people, out of the entire time that we worked on this movie during COVID, only two people tested positive and they were uh, background actors and it didn't affect the uh the outcome of the, of the of the production, so we were we really f- felt very blessed.
0: That's amazing, Emilio. Amazing, and you know, and the thing is, as knowing that you shot this during COVID, because you have all the instruments, so you've got trumpets, you've got trombones, you've got saxes, you've got wet reeds, you've got spit with you know with trumpets, trombones. So y- you have more going on here than just actors who are talking to each other. You actually are generating, quote-unquote, more bodily fluids
2: <laughs>
0: to worry about because of the instruments
2: yep. uh, and the and performance. And the girls singing right next to each other like that on, a, on the same microphone. You know, I mean, there were it, we, we were as careful as could be. Everybody had a mask on or, or a mask and a face mask. People wore gloves. We were using disinfectant everywhere we went, uh, and, and and people were on their toes. We were very vigilant about about being, um, and this was before the vaccine was even available. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty crazy.
0: Oh my god! Well, now <laughs> to, you, I have to. And I want to get into the technical aspect of the film, but first, I got I have to ask about your incredible cast. Now, in addition to you being. "Quote unquote King Arthur," and truly, you are a king uh, in in <laughs> p- in putting this movie together. Let me tell you, uh, and on screen, you are perfect as a school principal. But you Thank get somebody like Richard Neal as Mr. Miller, and we do have there. There is like a surprise in here um a reveal we're not going to yeah, reveal it, away. it we aren't going to reveal it but it mm-hmm. even had me i was just like so tickled like the hairs stood up on the back of my neck with the reveal mm-hmm. and i just thought it was it's one of those oh my god i'm going to cry moments <laughs> it's so fantastic
2: oh but thank you so much
0: you have these incredible talents now for your main actors, for you know, you've got Curran Barker who plays Gifford. You've got Jeremy Lee Staple who plays Conrad. Christopher Pollock is Elliot. Brandon Reuter is Kenny, um, and the others. Plus your three Bs. Now, obviously, the girls were singing. Were the guys? Was everybody playing their own instrument and doing their own singing?
2: Uh, yes and no. And I, I prefer not to reveal that aspect of it. Okay, but almost everybody in the, in the movie, uh, is a musician also. And so that, that was one of the things that was very difficult in casting the movie, because I had to find either actors who could play or players who could act. And, um, fortunately, because I've, I've done a lot of studying as an actor myself, I met Jeremy Staple in, in, an in an acting class. And, um, we we had worked together for several years. Same with Amanda Lamberti, who plays Mrs. Barlutsky. Mm-hmm. I had worked with her. Richard Neal and I were in a movie called Prodigy, which is a, a really great uh, psychological uh, thriller. Uh, that that's it's actually on Apple TV and and Netflix. Uh, we I play a terrible person in Prodigy, and Richard <laughs> plays a, a very kind hearted uh, psych, psychotherapist. And I met him on that movie, and I. I And Roland actually suggested it after he saw it. He said, well, why don't you get him to play Mr. Miller? And I was like, perfect. So I did a lot of the casting, but we had uh, Jordan Wainwright, who's one of the girl trombone players, knew a lot of musicians uh, in the local area that she knew uh, had acting experience and and, uh, would be good on screen. So she helped a lot with that. My manager, Nancy Clayton, uh, found uh, some of the members of the band, uh, our drummer, and, and Christopher Pollock a drummer, Greg Sadler. So um, and then I did it, I did a great deal of the casting myself, and Richard Neal uh, helped by finding some of the other actors through his. I mean, it was really it's it's kind of amazing because uh, it was so serendipitous how everything came together. I can't tell you that this movie was really uh, guided by the universe. Let me put it that way, uh, it, because there were just so many happenstance things coincidences that happened of bringing people together and -and so-and-so recommending so-and-so and 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 that it it, it's just it was meant to be
0: (laughs) wow well you know and it's it's I I knew that many if not all of the musicians were actually playing their instruments Um, and that is due in large part to Brian Lang's cinematography which is gorgeous gorgeous His use of the camera, the fluidity, it has the same fluidity as swing music, as the beat of swing music. The camera moves with that. And then he dutches the camera. We get some fly-on-the-wall ceiling shots uh, in certain places. So beautifully done. You stay away from extreme close-ups because you don't need them here because this is all about everybody coming together through music.
2: Uh, yeah, that was one of the challenges, I can tell you, is because this is an ensemble cast movie, and, and we had so much to, to, to collect on that screen. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really challenging, and I give both Brian Lang and David Guttel, uh, uh, my co-director, for designing the shots uh, with me, and, and I think we worked really well, as a, uh, the three of us as a team, to, to, to really create the look of the movie. But obviously, Brian Lang, as our cin- cinematographer, did a fantastic job.
0: All of the performance set pieces are just superb. Superb. The, Thank you so much. The lighting, be it in the gym, be it rehearsing in uh-huh. the, in the school, or the big performances at the Battle of the Bands the lighting the theatricality of the lighting at Battle of the Bands is incredible it oh, is thank you so much. it's rich it's beautiful but what i really love is the energy that we get and the emotion that we get with the lighting at the school performances such you know, such as we're raising money we've got to raise money to try and get to the Battle of the Bands it was very much a sister act you know we've got to go raise money and sing on the street to get money to get to the vocal competitions in LA from San Francisco, just mm-hmm. in reverse. Um, but you get a definite feel of warmth of the community of the kids of everybody coming together in that gymnasium for that fundraising jam and jingle ball. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and I thought that was a really cool name, jam and jingle ball. I, I love that. <laughs> um, and, you know, the decorations, very period perfect, very much homemade, uh, which is what the world was in 1947. Hey, even when I was in, in school in the 60s, um, you, we were making homemade decorations.
2: So- sure. And that, that I, got, I have to give credit to our, our set designer, Neil Canone, because he was responsible for the locations that we used. The, the classic cars that we got, mm-hmm. and he made so much of, of those decorations that you're talking about and, and handcrafted a lot of that stuff himself. He was in, invaluable. and This is what I'm talking about. There were so many elements yeah. to this movie that came together with people being at the right place the right time, even in the midst of COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, this film would not be what it is to really get that microcosmic 1947 feel were it not for the costuming and hair and makeup. The Mm -hmm. hair on the girls, the hair on the three B's is fabulous. Mm -hmm. Even all the guys with their hair slicked back, some grill cream thrown in there. Um, But the clothing right down to the shoes and even the style during the jitterbug contest with, you know, the little black, you know, Mary Janes with the little buckle over, and then wearing socks with them—all period perfect.
2: Um, oh yeah, I, I I agree with that. Both both our our, our um, costume designers did a fantastic job, especially Kate Berg. Uh, she was she was amazing. Yeah. And, and we we have the same team of people together for for this next film that we're doing. So we we're we're hoping that uh, to keep making movies that. People love, you know. It's funny you, that you brought up Sister Act because Darlene Coldenhoven, who did uh, all the vocal arrangements and produced the vocals and discovered the three Bs for us, mm-hmm. she did all the choral arrangements for Sister Act, Correct. and she's actually one of the nuns in Sister Act. And I actually stole a line from Sister Act because it, it's kind of our, our that same rags to riches uh-huh. li, group group of guys that you know that goes on, and and it was it, it was funny because. When when the the rival band is playing at uh, the Battle of the Bands and and uh, Nolan says they're like a machine, I stole that line from Sister Act when the big Mormon Tabernacle Choir yep. kind of group came on.
0: <laughs> yep, I mean it just, but it's this is done so perfectly. We we are immersed in 1947. We are immersed in Clark High School. We are immersed. With this band, you feel, I mean, I felt like I was sitting right there with them.
2: That's that's so wonderful that you say that. You know, several people said that that watched the film. They said, you know, I felt like I was there. I, I got so lost in the story, and and that I just I didn't want it to end. I wanted to stay with these, all these all these people because it just was. It's so warm and so inviting and so inspiring.
0: Now, a question for you, Emilio. Did you have because of some of the issues that you're tackling here, uh, such as that very powerful scene involving Conrad, where he stops um, a girl from being attacked. Girl, yeah. Um, that it, you know, those things are very. Number one, they're very difficult to stage. You staged it very beautifully, um, very, you. very artfully and tactfully, and getting the whole point across. But did you have any kind of trepidation with a scene like that or with a scene where Wesley calls out and calls, you know, someone a cripple? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in today's woke world, people just go so up in arms about these kind of things. Um, But this is life. This is what it is. So I'm curious if you had any kind of trepidation about including things like that or toning something down. Which yeah, the racism yeah, we, I don't see.
2: how You can. As, as, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, we tried to be as tasteful as possible and and um, get the points across that, that that we needed to get across. We believed in the message that that we were uh, purporting in this movie, and and um, I felt very confident that that it would be received for the the way it was because it wasn't sensational. Right. It wasn't uh, you know done for for gratuitous reasons. They were they were real issues that that people had to deal with and still do. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I was just saying to my engineer um when she was asking, you know, well what's this film about? So I was giving her a brief rundown on Nights of Swing before we went on the air. And I said and even she said same issues we're dealing with today. Yes. She says it's that, some things never change.
2: That's right. And and you know, I really want to give a shout out to uh uh Tubi that is um, doing a fantastic job of getting the movie out there. And now we've just been put on Apple TV. Uh, we're waiting for Net, uh, for um, Amazon Prime to, to have it, but we've been accepted. And it's on it's on the, the Christian network in Japan because we've had the movie wow. translated uh, with subtitles in Japanese and in Spanish. So we're starting to get some international uh, recognition from the movie. We've gotten incredible um reviews and um we've won several uh, best picture awards in in uh paris in new york uh italy uh milan florence uh, it's it's been incredible the, re- the reception of this movie and it's it's like the, the the little movie that could you know
0: oh well this is a movie that definitely not just could it can and it will <laughs> um it's it's phenomenal I want to ask you about the musical arrangements since you did the arrangements. You know, I did. Yeah. You did the arrangements, correct?
2: Yes, I did. Yes. I orchestrated and arranged all the music because I have experience. Uh, when I when I was in college, I went to Fredonia State University, which is in upstate New York because I'm from, originally from Buffalo, New York. You can probably hear it in my flat A's in my East Coast <laughs> <laughs>
0: sound of
2: my voice. But Fredonia State, at Fredonia State University, I was involved in the jazz ensemble program uh, for all five years that I was there. I I was in the band when I was a freshman, and then I ran the jazz ensemble program uh, from my sophomore to my, and and I taught as a graduate assistant uh, at the college. So I have extensive background in in big band jazz, and then of course I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you, I, I I played piano with uh, the legendary Miss Peggy Lee for Mm -hmm. eleven years and toured with her. And so my experiences in, in the jazz world and, and playing uh, big band music, and re- I have stacks of charts that back in the day I wrote out by hand. Uh, thank God I have a computer now that, that can help me do that. But um, I have extensive background. So this this movie was kind of like a, a coming together of all, all the things that I worked uh, on my most of my career, from being a, a, a jazz musician, knowing big band and doing that, and then starting my acting career in 2010 and, I've been in over 100 films since then, uh, acting-wise, and it's it's kind of a tour de force for me because it brings together uh, my musical talents and my acting talents, and I I feel very blessed to have given the opportunity from Roland Jacks to be able to do this, to to produce and direct this and act in this movie, you know. I wore so many hats in this movie, if I wasn't bald, (laughs) I would be.
0: (laughs) Now, you know, that that's a big thing. Now, luckily, you had, you know, David Gutell as your co-director, uh, because you're in quite a few scenes. And I have to say, early on in the film, within the first, what, 10 minutes or so, we get to, to hear you tinkling the ivories. And boy, oh boy, that just sets the tone right there. Let me tell you, Emilio. Oh, thank you. Um. I would have love to hear you play more throughout the film. Uh,
2: but well, I actually, I actually have a, um, um, a TEDx talk that I did in Huntsville, Alabama this past October, and I play quite a bit in that, and, and that's, that's, that's up on YouTube. And if people want to go see that, it's, it's only about a half hour, and um, I was honored to be able to, to be uh, asked to do that.
0: You know, so how did you juggle the acting and directing abilities um, did you try and direct yourself, or when you were in a scene, did David direct, or were yes. you just an yeah, obstreperous actor? That's, that's a great
2: question because what we did, uh, and I'm sorry if I talk over you, and because my phone is, is is crackling and stuff, so sometimes I I can't tell what's happening. But um, our, my relationship with David was so good because we we kind of divided and conquered our, our tasks. Um, I my standpoint as a director was working with the actors and getting the most out of their performances as an actor because I have an experience as as being an actor mm-hmm. david 's uh, forte is lining up the shots, thinking of the angles, f- figuring out which way to shoot it and and then he also is very good with actors himself so when I was acting, he was giving me you know uh, tips and, I, and sometimes i 'd have to go back and look at the monitor and look, look at the playback and see what the shot was looking like, but for the most time. Most of the time I, I trusted his judgment on, on what my performances were because I don't really like to watch what I'm doing while I'm doing it because mm-hmm. I like to just continue, just keep going and be in the moment. So that, that relationship between the two of us was, was uh, vital to the success of, of the way the movie comes across.
0: Well, that begs the big question, you know. How well did actor Emilio take his direction?
2: Oh, I trusted David. <laughs> uh, very, very much so. It was easy.
0: Yeah. What would you say was the most challenging aspect for you wearing all of these hats? You know, writer, director, arranger, actor, producer. What was the most challenging aspect of bringing this film together from your perspective?
2: Well, I would say, in all honesty, um, acting and directing is not easy. Uh, I found myself being quite exhausted. On, on a lot of the days, because we did long days, twelve-hour days, and and when I was doing double duty, and the thing that I think was the most annoying is having to be in a costume uh, or you know my, my wardrobe and having makeup on and then wearing a mask while I wasn't <laughs> acting and and then and being you know hot. Some of those scenes that we shot outdoors, uh, it was 104 degrees in uh, in California at that time, and we're wearing masks and. Makeup is melting, and that, that was that was extremely difficult. So so to go back and forth between directing and and acting uh, was was with with being in, um, in in wardrobe and makeup was was extremely difficult. But but it was it was you know a, a labor of love. So I I did it.
0: So I'm curious for you because of your love of music, what is it about swing music, about the big band sound? that speaks to you, that made this such a perfect, perfect compliment for you to step into?
2: Well, as I said about my um, um, involvement with the jazz, I, I got into big band music uh, in, in my teens, and uh, listening to Count Basie and, and Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, Maynard Ferguson, uh, I had a lot of experience with that. My my friends were from Buffalo were in a lot of the Touring bands with Woody Herman and with Tommy Dorsey, uh, uh, Maynard Ferguson. Uh, so uh, it's it, it's in my blood, you know. I, I my my parents loved big band music, and I kind of grew up hearing that the the records that they had uh, of of some of the big bands and Frank Sinatra and Peggy Lee and and all of those songs. I've I always loved that music, and I I gravitated towards it. I learned I studied a great deal the scores uh, of the the great uh, arrangers and uh it, it's just in my blood
0: <laughs> <laughs> and of course everybody now that there's a soundtrack available for nights of swing
2: yes it's it's on spotify it's on uh and it's on all the streaming services
0: now will there be like a cd release
2: you know we talked about that uh they're they they're very well maybe a cd release and we also talked about because of the the vintage aspect of the music, making a limited release vinyl version
0: of it. <gasps> you do either one of those. I'm buying both.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I
0: mean, yeah, I'm I'm diehard vinyl girl, uh, or acetate. <laughs> 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 oh Often. my god, Amelia! This has been so wonderful to have you on the show today, talking about Nights of Swing. Uh, I am a huge fan of this film, and I just think it's fabulous. I can't wait to see your next one that you're going into production on. Hopefully, it's a musical again.
2: It, the, it, in part, it is. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. If well, it, I can't thank you enough for having me on the show and and being so in tune with the Knights of Swing and uh, your questions, your your thoughts about it, your 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 thoughtful uh, analysis of what what we did uh, means a great deal to me. This has been the best interview I've. I've ever had because of your oh. uh not only your love for the the film but your understanding and 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 the in depth questions that you've asked me i i can't thank you enough
0: oh my it it trust me this was you know pure love <laughs> let let me tell you emilio I am a diehard musical fan um I love music and i love period um because this transcends everything. And like you growing up with big bands, my dad loved big bands and swing. And I still have some of his original, you know, Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, Woody Herman. I still have original recordings that were his. Awesome. From, you know, back in the day, way back in the day. And (laughs) I do still listen to them. And I treat them with loving care. So they're put away. uh, Good for you. When I'm not. Oh, Amelia, this has been a joy. I hope you will come back on the show again. Um, I'd love to. Oh, this has been fantastic. And again, everybody can see Nights of Swing on Tubi right now. Uh, It'll be Apple TV right now. And very soon, it's been accepted. It'll be in the rotation on Amazon Amazon Prime Video. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. That's all everybody needs. And... I want, I, I, I want a DVD, too, by the way.
2: I, we I, haven't made one yet.
0: I haven't, I'm not asking for too much. I want a CD, I want a vinyl of the soundtrack, and I want a DVD of the film.
2: That's not too much to ask.
0: <laughs> That's all I want, Emilio. Oh, Emilio, thank you so, so much. I can't wait till we chat again.
2: Thank you. Same here. This has been really wonderful. I appreciate it so much.
0: Thanks, Emilio. Have a great rest of your day.
2: You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: And that was Emilio Palame, writer, director, musical arranger, composer, actor, Knights of Swing. I got to tell you, folks, I will say it again. You will love this film. Your toes will be tapping. Your heart will be smiling. You will love this film. And I do. I want a DVD. I want to own this. I want the soundtrack. And once you hear it, you're going to want the soundtrack too. So, ah, fabulous film. And thank you so much, Emilio, uh, for talking with us today. That is all the time we have today. We only ran a little over this week. Um, Next week, we're going to have Ryan Layson. On hand, live, talking, all the world is sleeping. So until then, and maybe we'll even talk about the Oscars if there are any surprises next Monday. But (laughs) Pam's in there laughing or smirking, I'm not sure. So until next week, folks, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. (laughs)